This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Media Explode, episode 33, ranking the best picture nominees. Psychic spies from China try to steal your mind's elation. And little girls from Sweden dream of silver screen quotation. And if you want these kind of dreams, it's Californication. Welcome to iFanboy Media Split episode 33. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hey there. And Ron Richards. Hey, how's it going, fellows? And we are here to do rank the best picture nominees. We'll get there in a second. In the meantime, this is our Media Split show, unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com slash iFanboy. Consider being a patron today. They unlock many fine shows that we do, and we enjoy them all. Thank you very much. And this is our non-comics media show. We normally talk about comic books on our Pick of the Week show. This is our non-comics media show. We talk about things we've been enjoying in the larger world of media. And last year, it was right before the Oscars. We did our ranking of the best pictures. This year, we're about a I don't know about a month out from the Oscars. It's just timing wise, we're not going to get the show out closer to the Oscars. So we figured we do it now. You can always go back and listen. Are we gonna do, oh yeah. So the next the Oscars are March twelfth. So our next yeah. one of these will be post Oscars. After yeah. Right. Should we just do all the categories then? Or are we going to do that? No, let's just get into it. Let's just deep get deep into it. This is going to be a five hour show. Josh, why don't you start with uh, cinematography? 
I love so, that. You know what? No one's using lenses like I like anymore, so I refuse. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, though, but this Andrea Riseborough, I think she's a lock for Best Actress. Yeah, let's get into that one. The real problem I've got here is that we're naming cinematographers, but nobody's talking about the focus pullers. And until they're part of this, <laughs> I cannot in good conscience uh, take part in the conversation or the celebration. Is that still a thing now with the modern digital camera? Like, I know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just asking. Maybe you knew. I know people who would know. I can check. All right, you check while we continue. I normally get excited for the Oscars because the pageantry and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And I'm, I'm looking on Google right now, and it says all the information about the, like when it is. It's like March 12th at 8 o'clock. And then, then I see it's Jimmy Kimmel's hosting. I'm like, oh, I'm not as excited anymore. I don't know why. Okay. He's fine. I just it, it you prefer like he's very, to the last couple of years of no hosts or weirdo weird I li- hosts? No, things? I like the weirder the better. That's fine. Like at least something to talk about it. Like uh, just you know, like I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. Like they're just gonna keep throwing stuff at a board, and everybody knows it isn't gonna work. Right. You know, it's it's like that. It's like the flying ham and the Simpsons. It's still good. It's still good. It's gone. <laughs> From the I Simpsons. know. <laughs> it's still good. That went on like three times, right? The, yeah, but it's the, still but good. The, but the very best part of the joke, it was like, it's gone. He just goes, I know. He'd known <laughs> all along. That's like all of this. <laughs> all right. Well, before we get into, deep into the Oscars, Josh, get ready on the cinematographers. We're going to talk about what we've been enjoying since last month's show, which we had an extravaganza episode where we talked only about what we've been enjoying. This this time we're going to start with a regular segment. What have we been watching or reading or listening to since last time we spoke? Uh, who wants to start? I'll start. All um, right, Ron, go. So I literally just right before this finished the last episode of Reboot on Hulu, hmm. uh, which was a sitcom by the guy who did Modern Family. And it comes hot off the heels of finding out that it is canceled and not coming back and they shopped it to other platforms and nobody wanted it. So it was a it was a DOA show. But, this is uh, like every show, but like one out of twenty now. That's like crazy. Really ridiculous. No, but it was. But that's not my pick. Pick. But that I literally yeah. just started watching. But it was fun. How was fun. it? Paul Reiser, right? Yeah, Paul Reiser, Ke- uh, um, Keegan uh, Michael Key, Keegan Michael Key, Judy Greer, Johnny Knoxville. Randomly, uh, it worked. It was. A, it was a. The thing was, it was too inside baseball. It was too inside entertainment. It was. It's basically a sitcom gets rebooted on Hulu. And this this is a sitcom about the making of that sitcom. So there's a lot of entertainment jokes, a lot of wow. insider. Yeah, so Listen, no wonder it didn't. Gary Shandling can do that. Yeah, but, but no, that's but about it, it. But it was enjoyable. It, it definitely. It, eight I actually episodes. wanted to watch it, but yeah. You know. Well, only eight episodes, half hour. There's no more coming, so it's not like it's daunting to get over, <laughs> you know, to do it. But it was fun. But um, I will say, I know it's early. I know we're only in February, but I will say, nominee for show of the year uh, is Peacock's uh, Poker Face. Hmm. Which is, you know, I reminded that I actually had Peacock. I was like, oh, yeah, I do have that. Uh, I keep on wanting to say Ryan Johnson or Ryan Hughes. Which one? Which is the Johnson. comic book guy? It's Ryan Johnson. Okay. Ryan, Ryan Johnson's the guy who made the show. Okay. Ryan Johnson's the guy who made the show. Ryan Hughes is the guy who does who does design for in comics and books and stuff like that. Yeah. I always mix them up. But uh, yeah, so the guy who did Knives Out produced the show, uh, Natasha Leone starring, who I adore already. And it's uh, there's been a lot of press about it. And it's been, it seems to be like the first hit show of 23, I think. I don't know, Connor, you could... You can well, fact check on that. Who knows? But, I mean, who knows? But, I mean, at least no critical hit, critical hit. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like of the bear level. Like, this is like the in that you know, like you know, you must be watching this show right now, like that kind of thing. But it's it's uh, basically each single episode revolves around a murder, so it's very procedural, Columbo esque, murder she wrote esque. Natasha Leone's character has the ability to tell to just tell when people are lying. They don't go into it; it's just something that exists. She can, you know, she can just tell. She's on the road because she's on the run from the events of the first episode, and each episode is is has got something in it that makes it so endearing and so engaging uh, that I'm just loving it. I think it's fantastic. Lots of high profile guest stars, right? Yeah, for, first episode of Adrian Brody, Benjamin Bratz in the cast, uh, but recurring. Is Adrian Brody just a professional guest star now? He might be, which I'm fine with, to be honest. He was great sure. in this episode, but um, it's it's real. I mean, Connor, are you watching? This is right up your alley. I haven't watched it. I'm, I want to. You know, you'll find out why I haven't watched. And my turn comes around, but yes, I, okay. it's on my list of shows to watch. Okay, they're half hours. Uh, no, they're, they're hours. So oh, forget it then. Full well, hour, but, full, but not full hour, Connor. Not like not like HBO Max, where like an hour and six minutes. Like no, it's like fifty <laughs> something. You know, you so. watch The Last of Us and it's hour fifteen. Yeah, right. Uh, anything else? Uh, no, I mean that's that's the, those are those are the two highlights I have. But Poker Face is fantastic. All right, so the reason why I haven't really watched much in the way of new shows, although I'm going to talk about one, is that 
while waiting to start a new job, I had some time on my hands. So I've been sort of flying through some shows that I had meant to watch for many years. I'd mentioned this at the very end of last month's show, but I finished all of Narcos and I finished two out of three seasons of Narcos in Mexico. I'm planning on watching the third season this coming weekend. <laughs> so it's five seasons, six, six seasons total. I watched five in the space of two weeks. You have been on it. <laughs> and so I was getting re- it was getting real dark in my head at some certain point. Like something happened to one to my car, and I was like, "I'm just going to get my guys, and we're going to go kill them." And I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! I can't do that. I'm not a I'm not a narco terrorist." You were going to send the Sicarios out. I was going to get my Sicarios. Sure. As good as advertise, I think I think that Narcos is slightly more compelling than Narcos Mexico. I mean, it's the same show; it's just yeah. different titles. But I found the Colombian story slightly more compelling than the Mexican story. For I think just because they were crazier. So it was a little more um, over the top, even though it's, you know, based on a true story, which is, you know, awful. But terrific true crime. Plus, you know, I'm someone who pays attention to the news. I didn't know the intricacies or the details of the drug war, the drug problem, how cocaine came to be, how it came to be the United States, how things have changed if one guy had died in a ditch in Peru or wherever that was. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was terrific. I'm looking really looking forward to watching the final season. Um, I picked up some minor Spanish. Yeah, by the end, I was just like, tranquilo, tranquilo, tranquilo. <laughs> I just found a lot of the words doing a lot of heavy lifting. They're mostly curse words. I'm not going to say. Yeah, that's true. Hey, by the way, just as a, a reference, if anybody wants uh, to read more about it or know about it, Killing Pablo by uh, Mark Bowden, who's the guy who wrote Black Hawk Down, wrote a great book yeah. that, that I don't know if this is based on, but it's the same kind of story. So it sort of fills in some of those other details. Love those shows. That's when that, that was the first place I saw Pedro Pascal. He's so good in it. Yes, he is. He's so good. Diego Luna is the lead of Narcos Mexico. At least the first two seasons of Narcos Mexico, and he's really good too. He's but- so good. Yeah. And it's I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the final season. This it's yeah. it. They're not doing it anymore. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that wraps up. And then in terms of going back in time in preparation for the return of Justified this year, I started the Justified rewatch, which was one of my favorite shows when it came out in the late two thousands, early two thousand tens. so I finished the first two seasons in the last week. Terrific. I mean it's it's one of those shows that I mean Josh loved it too. Didn't get the attention I think it deserved in that era of peak TV because mm-hmm. it's a bit more genre It's a bit more actiony, yeah. crimey. But, I mean, man, the characters are intricate and they're complex and the acting is terrific. I'm flying through it. One episode ends and I want to get to the next one. It's just such a good show. Yeah, it, it was – I think – I mean, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. But I thought that it, it – originally I thought that it it I dragged a little in the middle. And then when I, I went back and watched it at some point during the pandemic – and I was like, this show's better than I even thought it was. Yeah, and it's interesting. Also, this is on Hulu now. If you want to, watch, if you do want to watch it, stars Timothy Oliphant as a U.S. Marshal in Kentucky, dealing with the Dixie Mafia and other small-time crime figures in the area. But um, season two is actually almost exactly paced like season one is. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talk about season one being episodic, season two being serialized, and going forward serialized, but it's really not at all. Season two is like. Exactly like one where the first half is pretty episodic while there's a story in the background and the story takes over the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. That's what happened in one and same thing that happens in two. I don't know. I think it's just maybe you know what's going on. It feels like it was a little more focused in that it was leading to something. It's not, there's whole episodes where the Bennett's don't even show up. Right. Okay. It's interesting. Like I was, I, I was expecting it to be all about the Bennett's and it really isn't. I mean, there's a whole thing with the pregnant lady and the, the, the hostage situation in the bank. Like every episode, there's a couple of five in a row where it's just basically episodic again. I actually like season one better than two. Really? I know it's not a popular opinion, but yeah, season two is really, 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 really good. I mean, like, I'm not ragging on it, but in season one, they are all sort of a happy crime-fighting family. In season uh-huh. two, like, Art hates Raylan, and, yeah. and Tim hates Raylan, and Rachel's kind of sick of him. And I'm just like, I don't really like everyone hating each other. This sucks. I think maybe just the strength of it is that, to me, it's like season two, that's one of my favorite seasons of television ever. I mean, right up there, like season four of The Wire, season two of Justified. And that might be largely because Max Bennett is just such a compelling villain. And then you've got uh, Gordon the intern. No, um, I, I, I'm blanking on um, on the other guy's name. Jesus, Rylan. Walton Goggins. Walton Goggins, like Uncle Baby Billy. Yeah, like he. I think he just comes on as a whole different kind of character in that season when he shows up at like the town meeting, and he's just not purely evil. He has a whole arc where he starts off. He's chaos good and then by the end of it he's right he's evil but i couldn't tell if that was intentional or if they didn't really know what to do with him and they were trying to figure it out it was interesting to think about while you're watching it yeah it's totally it's fantastic 
real quick I want to talk about the of of new stuff that I'm watching is I'm really enjoying and apparently so are a lot of people the reboot of Night Court on NBC. Of course you are. <laughs> the original Night Court being one of my favorite all-time shows. It's so bizarre to me cuz you know I read about it now and it's like people are like oh the forgotten show from Musty TV and the show that's really wasn't as good as the other shows like no I thought that was that show was terrific. It was it was zanier than the other shows and it was more like almost a time like a sketch comedy show because they would just do these bits in front of the court. But like, it was terrific, that show. I never liked it. I, don't know, I tried. It. I don't know. I never. I had a problem with John Larroquette when I was a kid. I never liked him. And I don't know. I just didn't. Not, it never so. really resonated with me. I never really understood why <laughs> because I knew you were such a big fan for it. I just never really saw it. <laughs> I think it was wacky. Like each week, yeah. like a different person would come in. Everybody around it was wacky. Yeah. And in the center, you had like the commenting on this. I just remember, like, it was a lot more surreal than most of the shows. At the yeah, that's time. why it was a bit more out there than, the, than, like, Cheers or... Yeah, exactly. So, you know, all the other shows were family-based or they were relationship-based. This was almost like vaudeville. Yeah, I didn't really know what <laughs> surrealism was or, you know, like, it wouldn't come... Like, when it came out, like, I hadn't watched Monty Python or whatever it is, but, like, it was almost a little more sketch-based. It was, like, yeah. really going for being funny. I think Perfect Strangers did that, too, to a certain extent. Like, it was... We're going to really try to be funny yeah. above all else. I think the original cast, even when you, sw- you swapped out bailiffs, I thought everyone was like A plus on that show. And so this I is like. I haven't seen it yet. No, I'm saying of, the, of the original cast, right. like, you know, everyone in, the, everyone in that cast was like perfect, mm-hmm. right? This show, they're all good, but they're not great, except for John Larroquette, who and this is no surprise. Even his character, I read an you know, interview with him, they had to change him. He's like, you know, because Dan Fielding was a lech, he was a sexist mm-hmm. and all those things, and they would never fly today. So. They've had a believable maturity to his character. I mean, 75 years old mm-hmm. to his character. And he's utterly watchable. It's kind of like the Connors in that Laurie Metcalf nails every scene and every line delivery mm-hmm. that she has. He, he's the same way on this show. Well, because, I mean, there's the years of experience, right? Right. Yeah. Just so even if everyone else is like a B, he's, he just nails every yeah. everything he's in. So I, I'm really enjoying it. I got renewed for season two. Apparently, it's like one of the most watched sitcoms in a, in a long time on broadcast. So I'm not surprised because uh, it, it, it hits so many notes of, you know, retro and, you yeah. know, and like all that. Yeah. I mean, the little opening happens. The guitar riff goes and I get happy, you know. Yeah, it's good. Just, That's good. I'm glad you like it. I think a lot of people are like, finally. <laughs> you know, like I just want to watch something that I... It's not even like that it's a it's a property that you remember. It's more like a format, like a thing yeah. that's recognizable in a world where yeah. a lot else isn't. And even if you like all the new things, it's, you know, yeah. it's probably got something in common with Cobra Kai, you know, in a way like it was you know, just for like, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's tapping into a, a retro, you know, thing. Right. Yeah. But it's more than that. Like, just like, look at these people with cameos or something like that. No, like there's no. a mood. Yeah. Hey, Roseanne did the same thing. Ever. What, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, they can't, like, literally everybody else but John Larroquette died. Right. I think three yeah. members of the cast died last year or the year before. Like, everyone from the principal cast, I think, is not Bull. He's still alive, right? Richard Mull. Yeah. Richard Mull. Oh, jeez. I just saw he did a voice on the Justice League cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone else, you know, passed away. So, the two of them, Marky Post and... Uh, Marsha Warfield. The two bailiffs could come back, I guess. But the principal cast is gone. So, yeah. anyway, that's what I've been enjoying. There's things, two things I think I was going to mention is um, I finished Fleischman is in Trouble and we had talked about it, but I hadn't finished it yet. And I think that it was worth bringing up again because. Is that Hulu also? Yes. Yeah, FX slash Hulu. Hulu, man. So you got you got to that doozy episode I told you about, huh? Yeah. I mean, there was a, but the thing, it was like, it was such a show of momentum yep. that by the end of it, you're like, wow, that was a, a piece. And at first, at the beginning, it's kind of entertaining, and then it gets kind of cool. And then by the end, it's just burn it all down. You know, yep. like all of your expectations, everything that you saw from one perspective, you see from another perspective. Yep. I mean, it's very much geared to people of our age, slightly younger. So no, mid forties. I mean, it definitely, yeah. it definitely hits on mid the yes, yeah, yeah. You know, by the end, it was it was one of those things like wow, what a thoughtful interesting thing i thought you know career performance from lizzie kaplan yep claire danes from out of nowhere by the end of that that episode man that episode was a killer she does it she does a scene where she screams and i know that it's like a thing but it is one of the most powerful bits of acting i've ever seen i was like i was kind of floored by it adam brody from out of nowhere shows up and and like just creates this really fully formed interesting character 
I don't always love Jesse Eisenberg, but you know, he did his job really well. And I think it was interesting in the beginning, like you think the show's about him. Yeah. Who's the Fleischman who's in trouble? It's not him. Yep. You know, and, and like the show switches protagonists almost in this really interesting way. I, you know what actually got me? Uh, I don't want to spoil it. Don't. It was just, uh, it was, it was really heartfelt, really intelligent. I think it's the, the showrunners are the same people who did the American Splendor movie forever ago. Which oh, wow. Interesting. Quick. Yeah. Cause I was like, I recognize that name. Why? Yeah. I loved that. And then the other thing, I, I mean, I should give credence to the, the show of the moment, which is The Last of Us, which I did not want to watch because I don't like zombies and I don't like mushroom zombies. Yeah. And uh, my wife really wanted to watch it because she's she like, and she's into zombies. I don't know if she is, but she's not. She's like, she can, she can, she can go after horror movies and stuff like that. And I just, I just don't tend to. Anyway, it was... First of all, the the third episode that everybody's talked about is as good, you know, as everybody's. You know, even if you just watch the one episode with Nick Offerman, it's definitely worth your time. But other than that, I mean, if if is anything I got to give to it is it's like, well, Pedro Pascal's the next big thing. Well, he's the current thing. I think he's, that's what I mean. Like he's yeah. the thing. I was like, oh, like originally well, yeah, he way was, back when, he was literally on, he was on the face of Wired yeah. magazine as the new face of sci-fi. Sure. So like, alive. if you think about how this goes, like originally. We had Bruce Campbell, and then we had Nathan Fillion, and it's gotten better since then. So they were like, you know, they moved along. Is it Ryan Reynolds? I don't know. He might be too pretty. Well, what about this Oscar Isaac guy? He did a real bad job as uh, Apocalypse. Well, what about Pedro Pascal? Whoa, well, Pedro Pascal did a really bad job as Maxwell Lord and Wonder Woman. That's a good point. Oh, yeah, but I, I forgot, forgot about, about that. It. Yeah, there you go. You know, but it, not everyone's perfect. It's real fun to watch that dude center a show that is very. I mean, it's it, it it's it's basically a, a sequence of uh, video game cutscenes from a story that a lot of people know. <laughs> I would like to do a deep dive into this when the season ends because sure. I think there's a lot to talk about. But I do think, I mean, the third episode aside, which is like its own little side, sure. sort of one act play or two act play. Without him, I think I'm probably not watching anymore. I mean, I agree. The show, I mean, the show is show run by the guy who did the game itself, and you know, the, the creative director from the game, and the, the Craig Miskin behind Mason. The, Mason behind Chernobyl, one of our favorite shows of the last twenty years. All the bits that I really find interesting, like the flashback parts, which feels very much mm-hmm. like Chernobyl, like when they yeah. followed it in, in the Philippines, was it where they follow how the the thing happens? Like that was really interesting. Yeah. Anytime they get chased by a mushroom head, I'm like, okay, it's true. I don't care about that part. Yeah. Really, and and but. It, I have a friend and, and he's really into the game or like he'd watch these like oh, very sure. familiar Huge with it. And like it, it's satisfying on a, like a bunch of different levels apparently. And I think that that's interesting. Like I could totally do, if this was just an apocalypse show and it had no, I guess I was going to say it's not really, it's sci-fi, but you know, it's, it's quote unquote rooted in science, you know, but it basically it's a lot better. I lasted one and a half seasons on the walking dead. You know what I mean? Like it's compelling enough to me. Cause like the, Craig Mays and I, I just want to see what else he can do because if you can pull out that third episode or little bits of it and other ones, then it's worth it. But yes, then Pedro Pascal is the other part. And the girl from Game of Thrones. They're, yes, both, from Game of, they're both from Game of Thrones, but she's good and they have good chemistry and they have a good relationship. And he just, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the joke now. He, you know, you pair him with a little kid and have protect and, him and that's his and, thing. And he doesn't but. really want to do it and he's going <laughs> to act like he doesn't care, but then he kind of <laughs> does. But it works. And then he it laughs. Works the Mandalorian, it works here. Yeah. He didn't protect anybody in Narcos, but it's also worked. <laughs> He's just very charming. He does a great voiceover. We don't give him enough credit for that. <laughs> so those are the things we've been enjoying. Now let's move on back to the Oscars. Josh, I hope you've been doing your research while we've been talking oh, about I, cinematographers. I started several movies. Oh, good. But the problem is I'm watching them concurrently, but they're all seven hours long. <laughs> it's a real problem. It's a real problem. <laughs> we yes. can definitely talk about that too. But yeah. So last year we did the same thing where we, we're going to – I'm going to list out all the nominees. We're going to each rank them our own personal ranking system because that's how the voters vote for them now as they rank the Best Picture nominees. And then at the end of that, we're going to talk about which film was our favorite of the year. It doesn't necessarily have to be a nominee. Any issues that come up while we talk about it can be discussed, like the length of all these movies. I wonder if you added them all up, how long it would take you to watch all 10. A week? (sighs) Feels like it for some of these movies. So here are the Best Picture nominees in alphabetical order. All Quiet in the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. Those are the 10 best picture nominees. And interestingly enough, only one 
only one film here is a streaming film. Last year we had, I think, three, and one of them won Best Picture. Which one's the streaming one? All Quiet in the Western Front. All Quiet in the Western Front's a Netflix movie. Okay. Last year, I think it was three, Coda won. Coda was Apple Plus. And then the year before, of course, was the year where they were almost basically all streaming because of the lockdown. So we're almost back now to all the films haven't been theatrically released. By your rules, Connor, All Quiet doesn't count then, right? It's a TV movie, but right. you know, I'm not in charge of the Academy. So, If Connor was in charge of the Academy, there'd be whole different rules. So oh just to, to fill people in. If, if, It'd if, be so if, great. If a movie comes out on a streaming service, it's not a movie. It's a TV show. Correct. It would, the, I'd rule with an iron fist. It'd be so awesome. <laughs> so insane. I'd be up on the stage with a hook, just pulling people off if need be. I just think it's fascinating that you define the the, the, the Hey, it wasn't just me. The it wasn't category, just me. It was... not by format, but by delivery platform yeah a play is a play a movie is a movie a tv show is a tv show they're all stories telling with featuring actors and directors but they're they're different delivery okay let's take it as far as the point where they make the movie they shoot the movie they edit the movie and at the end they have a movie so that's the movie that's the thing you're judging now what happens to that afterwards isn't really relevant doesn't define what was made the quality of the of the object that was made Actually, I would I would argue differently. I would say that movies for, for streaming services are shot differently than for big screen. They take into account the size of the screen when they shoot. I would also argue that the streaming films don't get the same kind of notes as theatrical films do and therefore are just different. No, but that doesn't that doesn't no, that doesn't change that like it's all hi- the same thing. It all changes the final product. Do, all you, you care about is the final product. That's it. That you hire someone you, there is a script, you hire someone to make the movie of that script, they make that movie. And you're right, they might be they might be making accommodations or adjustments or whatever based because they know it's gonna go out on Netflix or on Hulu or on Apple or whatever it might be. But like at least for me, what define like it is a singular story that is an hour and a half to two hours long. Rolls credits at the end. That <laughs> is a, that is a movie. That is a so movie. The, so then, not, to your, so then none of these movies count because they're all fucking five hours long. No, 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 no. I'm saying a pro, I'm like the, the, a TV show is episodic. You know, like half hour or an hour. You know what I mean? Lower budget, potentially lower budget. Although with Last of Us and other shows like that, who knows what those budgets are now? Probably Last of Us had a higher budget than, than several yeah, the, of these the movies. Gap, the gap between TV and movie budgets is, is getting smaller. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, like there's a difference between the sequential, episodic storytelling nature of TV versus. So, like, by your definition, if HBO decided to take Last of Us and distribute it single episodes to movie theaters as like watch it in a movie theater then it becomes a movie no that's just an exhibition that's just yeah, a, but, that's well, just a company renting it out for marketing purposes when you're when you're talking about like how they shoot it differently or whatever but like that's fine because that affects the final product and those are those are judgments that you can use to say whether something is good or not but i mean that means that they like if they shot it for t i feel like a lot of these people who are I don't know how much freedom they have, these filmmakers. So if you're Ryan Johnson and you're doing a thing and you know it's going to Netflix, do you think that he's shooting it for TV? Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, totally. That's a TV show. I mean, you can tell just from looking at the trailers. I also, TV shows it? and movies are differently created. TV shows are talking you through things because most people are watching them on their phones. No, I'm saying like I'm saying like Glass Onion. It's not shot the same way as Poker Face. Right, no, no, yeah. but Poker Face is a TV show. Right. right, but you just said, like, like he made Glass Onion fully aware that it was for a streaming platform. Well, yes, he got a theatrical release, but yes, right. So, did that affect the way that he shot that movie, or did he no, shoot it like got a theatrical release for a week? <laughs> so, don't they all have to to get into the Academy Awards? They do. Yeah, it's a, yes. it's a smaller window than what he. Well, does. But it still right. has like, to have. It has to play. In I'm theaters. saying yeah. though that like yeah. you're talking about an ego of a person who's a quote unquote filmmaker, and anybody who's been around for any amount of time is going to make their fucking movie the way that they want to. The ones you're talking about, there's like four of them who have those deals with with streaming right. services, like Scorsese, Johnson, and Inaratu. Uh, Fincher made one a couple of years and, ago. And Fincher, yeah. there's I mean, not very like, many. No, for the most like, part, they're not like that. But, and that's fine, but then you can judge those other films and their merits. And therefore, if they're lesser because of it, then that's a knock on the filmmaker and the producers, which is the streamer. Well, I'm not judging on lots of things. I mean, we all, we all judge on our own merits. Mine is that it has to, it's not theatrical. It's not a theatrical experience. So have you seen All Quiet on the Western Front? No, no. It's not, we I, didn't, about it. I have not seen it, it yet. Because it I seems like it's up your alley, or, but you just won't watch it because you can't see it in a theater? or 
No, because it's, it's three almost three hours long, and I don't have it's, time yet. It's right. uh, I saw I saw about Kinda half depressing. of it, and I kind of yeah, it was kind of a bummer. I mean, to me, it was shot pretty cinematic. Every time I watch it, I'm like, I don't want to get sad. I'll watch something else. And but I isn't it like the, a war movie? It's the anti-war movie. Yes, it's World War One from the, from the German side, like German soldiers. Did you never read the book? Being in, in the trenches, no, I did not. The problem was that I think it was shot cinematically, and to watch a movie that is that sort of um, I was going to say plotting, but in a positive way, uh, contemplative and quiet. Like there's beautiful long shots or whatever, and when you watch them on a tiny screen at home. It's much harder. Like if you can see it writ large on a big screen and you kind of sit there and 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 like be immerse yourself in it, it's one thing. But to watch that kind of thing at home, even if you have a big nice TV, like it's just it's hard to maintain your and this is and this is I mean, I'm I'm kind of agreeing with Connor, I'm kinda of not. I don't think it's the movie's fault because you make it how you can make it. But it was just I couldn't finish it. It it just there was it was it required the kind of attention that I can't give it here. And it was kind of a bummer, and it was kind of slow. If I'd been sitting in the theater, it would have been a different thing. I remember last year, maybe the year before, I saw The Green Knight, and I went to see it in the theater, and I was like, well, thank God I saw it here. I'd have never made it through at home. Yeah, that was rough at home. Yeah. I, I I enjoyed it in the theater, but at home, I would have been like, fuck this. And and I don't know if that's the movies. I don't know if that's the film's fault, is my point. Then whose fault is it? The producer. The, or the, 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 you know, like if the company, that the production company that makes it, you know, that, but I say you don't. I, I don't think you can hold that against the work. But it depends on how you see it. You've still seen most of these movies. Maybe mm-hmm. not you, Connor, but you see mm-hmm. most of us see most of them at home. Most of the Academy sees them at home. They get a screener. So at the end of the day, what does it matter? Do they still have screeners? None of this would fly in my Academy. <laughs> I get it. I, I don't know. I'm trying to make your point of view square with things that make sense to me, and that's where I'm going wrong. <laughs> no, they, they the screeners have been replaced by like digital code downloads they watch yep, there's right. like a there's like a website they all watch it from now they don't get yeah. they don't really they sometimes but it's mostly digital now mm-hmm. which is a bummer all right well i apologize for the diversion i just uh, endlessly right. fascinated okay. by it. i would rather do this than rank movies because <laughs> it makes no sense rank movies i haven't seen <laughs> ron do you want to tell us what you're ranking what your vote would be if you were an academy member yeah all right so i will go from bottom to top because i'm just gonna lump in Women talking, triangle sadness to R, all quiet on the Western just Front. Just tar. It's just tar. To R. She's not an emotion. Tar. 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 But there's an uh, there's a thing over the yes, A. So I just I watched it last night. It's tar. tar. What I know tar. is that Charles Barkley was not going to watch that. Um, all right. Okay. So women talking, triangle sadness to R, all quiet on the Western Front, and Banshees of Inisherin. I have not seen yet. So that's is so that five. That's five through ten. There you go. Wow. Just, is this the least you've seen in a year? No, no. I've in a long time. But wait, 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 I, I still got three weeks. I got. I know, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Usually, you're on. You're on it. Well, yeah. Good. Well, you know, it's been it's been rough. Last uh, couple of weeks. <laughs> Sorry, give me a break. Um, I, that said, I will. I was going to watch All Quiet on the Western Front, but now apparently I'm not. I can't imagine you'd like that. I've been on the I've been on the verge of watching Banshees of Inisherin several times because Connor, I'm still mad at you for not telling me that it had any sort of dotted line back to in Bruges because I would have watched it much sooner. And I guess I'll watch the R, and I have no idea what Triangle Sadness is, and I've seen it's the trailer. comedy. The Triangle Sadness looks like a great trailer. I just haven't gotten to it. Okay. Ugh. And I've seen the trailer for Women Talking about nine times, and I, I, I feel like I've seen the movie already. So, the five you have seen, ranking from five yeah, to so five. So, from five to one, uh, in the number five spot, I'm going to give it to Elvis, mm-hmm. which I wanted to like a lot more. Big spectacle. I love Baz Luhrmann. As much as I hate to say it, Tom Hanks dragged this movie down, but the musical performances were, all, were awesome. The story just needed, you know, needed work a I, little more. Yeah. I hadn't known that Tex from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is Elvis. Yes, yep. I was like, oh, that's that guy, Austin Butler. Yep, he thinks he's Elvis. Number four, we'll go to Top Gun Maverick. Fun time in the movies, action, blah blah blah. But it, it's not a best picture. Come on. Number three, I'll give it to Avatar: Way of the Water. Visual spectacle. Amazing technology, amazing 3D, uncanny valley, not okay with it. <laughs> Number two, I'll give to the Fablemans because God damn it, that cameo at the end got me. But at the end of the day, it was really a good movie. Despite, that's not despite how I feel about Spielberg. That's not a reason. <laughs> yeah, it is. And then number one, I'll go back with my best picture of the year last year, which will be my number one spot, which is Everything Everywhere All at Once. I, I think that there there wasn't a movie that was as engaging, as challenging, or engaging, or just a 
just a, a t- different perspective than any of the films I saw last year. And so like that, that gets my number one pick. I think that has the best shot right now as, as the winner for best picture. And Michelle Yeoh is amazing, right? Yeah. He quote, um, you know, data from or he Kwan, uh, hey, Kwan. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic in it, but like everyone else is fantastic. It. Jamie Lee Curtis, like it, it is yeah. so, it is such a cohesive, everything gelling into the, like, and, and the thing is I, I, it's on the list to watch because my wife hasn't seen it yet. I saw it in the theater because it's a movie, but we're going to watch it at home because it's not in theaters anymore. Not nearby us, but she hasn't seen it yet. I'm just like a dying to like, not, I'm trying not to say anything about it. Cause I don't want to sell. I, I just want her to go into it clean, but at the same time, I'm like really excited to see her reaction to it and to revisit it. But yeah, I mean, it, it is, I mean, but it, but the thing is, Connor, we talked, you know, in the pandemic year when you got mad at the Academy for all the movies there were and all this sort of stuff, like to me, it, it's, right. it's, it's, it's another, like, it feels more like, um, what was the movie before the pandemic? The Korean movie? I don't remember. Anything Parasite. Before the Parasite. Pandemic. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, it's definitely interesting. And in like, there is a type of movie you think that like, oh, that could be a best picture movie that is built into us from growing up in the eighties and nineties right. and like that sort of thing. This does not fit that mold. But I kind of like that. Same reason why I like Parasite. Like it doesn't necessarily. You know, to be, yeah. It's a really good point because the paradigm was set by like chariots of fire. Yeah. Amadeus. Big British epics. Yeah. Or, or you know. Uh, Dangerous liaisons. West. Yeah. Was that a best picture? No. Should have been. Oh. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just like the name. No, I think you're right. And and Parasite was one of the ones that the really sort Emperor. of blasted that. Yeah, like the huge epic yep. prestige David Lean kind of movie. And that we've maybe moved past that a little bit. And that's fun. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Um, so Dangerous Liaisons was nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. What did it lose to? Uh, I don't know. Kevin I need Costner. to look that up. What year was, what was it? was that, 89? 80, it was came out in 88, so it'd be 89. I'm good. 89 was... Uh, was it, was it Dances with Wolves? That's 90. No, that was 90. Chariot's Fire was 81. 89 was... All right, so 88, it was Rain Man. We lost the Rain, Rain Man. Man. Yep. Very good film. Uh, Rain Man, Accidental Tourist, Dangerous Liaisons, Mississippi Burning, and Working Girl. Talk about a year. It's an eclectic mix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've only seen three of these. Okay. I've seen Top Gun Maverick, Everywhere, Everything, All at <laughs> Once, The Fablemans, and half of all quiet on the Western Front. I almost want to tie the Fablemans and Everything Everywhere. I think Everything Everywhere is a better movie. It's more original. I don't know if it was entirely successful in that thing. Right. The Fablemans is a more standard movie, but I think it completely accomplished what it was trying to do. Oh, it was masterfully made. Yeah, I agree with you there. Very yeah. successfully landed that so i would be i would tie them like really like one is like you did it you did it perfectly and it was great and really enjoyable and surprising there's all sorts of good things about it i don't think it's a best movie of the year it's like a awesome side project Uh, you know what i mean like i I don't know it it doesn't feel so i guess that means i would give it to everything everywhere all, all at once because it is such an other and even if i yeah, even if it doesn't, even if I don't think that everything in it was successful, you know, it was the most imaginative, well-made thing. And if you're talking about people leading a film, carrying the film along, you know, Michelle Yeoh is a long-respected person, but she's not been considered a leading woman. Finding her a way to sort of be a dramatic actor and be able to do martial arts, meaning that her lead thing wasn't, hey, I do martial arts. Right. It was her acting. She also got to do some martial arts. And then apparently Kehoi Kwan is the greatest, happiest guy on earth. Oh, he's so great. <laughs> and you, you know, from it with his, he was fantastic. He, is he up for best actor? Is that a thing? He's a supporting, supporting actor. Supporting, supporting, supporting actor? Yeah. yeah. Come on. He was the second lead in that movie. I hate the stupid rule. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with that as number one. And then top, top gun Maverick. Like, I don't think I loved it as much as you guys did, but I had a hell of a good time watching it. It was fun, but, it, but it's it, not a best it, picture. It, it, Come on, no, it ain't a best yeah. picture. Yeah, it's it's like the, you know, you know, Five Guys ain't the ain't, it doesn't a Michelin star. It's a fine burger, right? But <laughs> didn't see Women Talking. Didn't see All Quiet Western Front. I, All Quiet Western Front's on Netflix. I'm going to try to see it. Women Talking is in theaters. I'm going to maybe see it. Depends on how things go in the next of few all weeks. Of us, you have you're the most you're the most closest to be able to go see it in the theaters. 
Yeah, I mean, I usually try to see them all beforehand. Yeah. I should try to see the major nominees, but you know, there's a lot kind of happening in the next three, four weeks. Like what? There's a lot of films are out. The Wasp is out. Like you want him to go over his schedule? Well, no. What what movies are coming out? I want to know what I should be what I should be looking out for. I have no idea. I feel so disconnected from all of it now. I mean, have you heard of the Ant Man movie? Well, I've seen that. Yeah, that's just work for him. It doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, it's fantastic. Go see it in 3D. I might try to see Marlowe, but you know, like I got free time to go to movies. Mm. Number eight, Triangle Sadness, which I hated. Seven was Elvis. Really? Uh, not enough Baz, too much Lerman. <laughs> nice, nice work. Six was Tar. Tar. Terrific performance. I'm not sure how I feel about the entire thing. Five, Avatar, The Way of the so, Water. Wait, wait. So Tar is good, but not enjoyable. She's really, really great. That, I mean, that's, that only gets you so far. I'm not sure so how far. I feel about the whole film itself. I'm I'm still, I literally watch... just saw it 24 hours ago. I'm still thinking still about it. I'm not going to watch Doubt again, but Meryl Streep was great. I don't know. I didn't see that, so I don't know if it's worth seeing again. But um, anyway, it's worth seeing. Avatar, The Way of Water, number five. Number four, The Banshees of Inishirin. Three, The Fablemans. Two, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And my number one film, I think, is Top Gun Maverick. You're crazy. Don't. He wants you to do this. <laughs> no, I don't. Don't take the bait. Really don't. Don't. <laughs> he was holding it the whole time. By the way, I was right. You were supposed to go last because you landed that whole joke. <laughs> Because Ron and I both over here going, oh, no way. And he's like, oh, no, no way. And Connor's like, yes way. <laughs> the irony of me saying this will become apparent considering how we started the segment. But I am getting less militant in my old age about certain things. And for a, lo- for a long time. But really knuckling down on other things. Yeah, sure. Why not? But for a long time, you know, I was very much into, you know, the supremacy of the art and the small movie and the prestige drama. And I do think the Academy swung too far away from popular films. And Top Gun Maverick was a terrific movie. And it people saw it and loved it. And I think it needs to be considered amongst the best pictures of the year. Uh, but it is it is considered. It's a nominee. But, yes, it's but true. You, but you would, you would hand it the Oscar. <laughs> yeah, if I was voting, I would, yeah. I think it was a terrific, complete film. It told a great story. It was exciting. I saw it twice in the theaters. I loved it both times. I had no problems. I thought it was better than the original. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think the director got shafted on Best Director nominees. I think those movies are just as hard to direct as small, independent features. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, in a world where everything everywhere doesn't come out, isn't nominated, I think I'm giving giving it to the Fablemans before I'm giving it to Top Gun. No, no, but I'm I'm not saying you're right, I'm wrong. I'm just saying from an analytical standpoint, going back to that, like what our preconceived notion of a quote unquote best picture is, right? Like Josh, to your point, like the Fablemans is like Spielberg doing his craft at his best, you know, and like telling a heartful story and all this sort of stuff. But also with no tricks. Like he didn't rely on like, you know, other things relied on like, look at these fucking special effects. Yeah. Look at these dinosaurs. Look at this action scene or whatever. Like he had to do this all with drama and actors, which is not, I think, what people would say that he's best at. Yeah. Mm. He's got really good performances in his movies. Absolutely. But I can't think of this than a lot of best actor, like, you know, out of his movies. His movies are about the... It's more like it's more like Top Gun. It's more about the experience of going to the movie rather than, you know, individual, you know, not a lot of subtext or at least very obvious subtext. You know, again, these are the old standards versus the new ones. Can I ask you this, Connor? Yeah. Is there a movie that you would consider to be more of the popular kind of bent that you think, you know, like like so like Avengers? I know that's not going to be it. No, no, no. I no. I'm- are there movies, though, it's like if you said in the last 10 years, a movie like that, you know, that you think was ignored in this thing, but is a great film? 10 years? I don't know. That's a lot of Right. No, that's a hard question. I, I get that. But it used to be like that. I mean, it used to be Jaws. It was it was. I think Godfather. that The Dark Knight really got the shaft from a Best Picture nominee. Did it not get nominated? I really, what year was that? Not for Best Picture. No, that was why they expanded to 10 nominees. What year was that? It was 2000. It came out in 2008. Eight. Got it, yeah. Yeah, then 2009, they expanded to 10, I see, yeah. yeah. Because of that specifically, and now they just they just add five more indie films, which are fine. I love all those movies. It's just funny. Or no, they, they don't They don't just add five more indie films. They just Maybe they added Top Gun, you know what I mean? Like they added Avatar five more films. You and know? Top Gun are in this. Yeah, exactly. This year's different. Yeah. yeah, this year's different, for sure. Yeah. I mean, last year we had Dune, and we had, uh, I guess, West Side Story. Is there West ever Story. another Dune coming out? 
Supposedly, I think he's working on it right now, isn't he? Are they? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not asking because I know. Yeah. So the question is, is your favorite film of the year in this equation? Because last year, Josh, your favorite film of the year was not nominated for Best Picture. It was the Sparks Brothers documentary. Oh yeah. Well, that came out on Netflix, though. That's not really a movie. Yeah, I was about to say. Okay. It was well, my favorite film of the year was The French Dispatch, which was not nominated either. And only only Ron picked a nominated film, Licorice Pizza, as his favorite film of the year. Didn't make it through that one either. Is your favorite film on this list, or is there another film that you was your favorite of the year? Did he see any other movies? I assume Josh didn't, but did you? Uh, no, mine, my, mine is Everything Everywhere, for sure. Yeah. It can be on the list. I was just curious if it was yeah, no, no, film. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think on the last show I said it was Bullet Train something like that yes but i don't feel really strongly about any of the movies i saw this year that's fine just it's no, no one's gonna hold you to it i know that's what i'm so that's what i said that's but I, i'm so not bullet train sure whatever <laughs> i don't think bullet train is uh, well, i haven't seen bullet train i need to see it i can't speak to that to r not hustle josh did you watch hustle i did i did it was not good but it was real <laughs> enjoyable like it was it was actively it was like not a good movie it wasn't blue chips bad right. but it was does anyone remember Blue Chips? Wasn't that one with Shaquille O'Neal in it? Yeah, Shaquille O'Neal, yeah. Nick Nolte plays Bobby Knight, basically. And was it Hardaway? Penny Hardaway, too? Yep. Yep. Yeah, you know I remember. What? I'm looking at the list of previous nominees. I think 2017 was a good year. Okay. All right. So t- 2017, you had three billboards outside Missouri. Nope. The Post. Yeah. Yeah. I've been meaning to watch that again. Phantom Thread. Oh, yeah. Lady Bird. G- yeah. Get Out. Yeah. Dunkirk. Dar- yeah, Darkest Hour, yeah. Great. Well, Call Me by Your Name, and then the, uh-huh. the Shape of Water one. That was a great year. That was a great year. Great year. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I just rewatched Dunkirk two days ago. It's terrific. Still, I've watched the Post probably ten I times. I mean, this. I mean, the Shape of Water honestly, was fantastic. The deserved Post it. Is never streaming where I want to see it. I'm, I keep trying to get it and I can't. <laughs> I love Phantom Thread. Oh, so good. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fucking funny. Uh, I, we were going. like an hour into Licorice Pizza, and I looked at Lindsay. I was like, I don't think anything's going to happen. <laughs> Those are the and best she's kind like, of movies. I don't either. No, they're not. Yeah, they are. I need a story. I have shit to do. No, I like a slice. Of, I like a. There you, wasn't really a story. No, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it was a hangout. Oh, movie. I loved it. Oh, so good. It didn't matter, though, because you couldn't keep your eyes off Cliff Booth. <laughs> so. Those are our rankings. So this year, as we've done the last couple of years, we'll have an iFanboy patron Oscar pool. So keep your eye out for that if you're a patron. We'll probably go live the weekend, you know, the Friday or something before the Oscars. Or maybe give you some more time than just Friday. So we'll organize that. And you'll win uh, bragging rights. There'll be no prize. It's a no prize. We have to go ahead and stress again. There will be no prize. Correct. Just to be clear, no prize. We will not fly you to... Josh's house to hang out and watch the Oscars. If or you or the court. Oscars themselves to go with Connor. You <laughs> yeah. and Connor, you and Connor no, no. will hit the red carpet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Oscars will not be on at my – actually, they might be, but I, I won't be. I'm going to have to have you distract security. That's going to be your job. And uh, we'll get the red carpet. It'll be great. We All have right. time for some listener mail. All right. We got mail. Two of these emails are coming at us. Whoa. So let's get into it. Adam from Orlando, Florida. Just now, I was listening to the Pick of the Week episode 575 from March 12th, 2017. While discussing Action Comics 975, Ron said, quote, I despise Superman. Why does Ron despise Superman? And does he still feel that way? Also, is he secretly Lex Luthor? Why do you, no, why I, do you despise I, Superman, Ron, but, but enjoy him in other media outside of comics? I don't know. That's a tough you one. Like Ron, Superman movies, like like, we talk about comics on this show. What the hell? It's it was emailed directly for you, and they knew the only way to get you was to come at this show. <laughs> also, Superman is bigger than comics. I I just I just feel as if Superman in the comics is just a one note kind of thing, and I just um you know it's too powerful, too can do anything, you know, and just like it, it just it's just too, it's just too, not Marvel, too primary color for me, you know. But you like him on the movies and the TV shows. At times. I mean, I enjoyed Smallville. I enjoy, you know, obviously Christopher Reeve. I think those are all great executions of telling a Superman story. It's just the Superman. I ne- I've never I've never been engaged in Superman ongoing serial comic form just because it just has never grabbed me. For, well, they're rarely very good. Yeah. There's no nefariousness of it. I mean, and, you know, very clearly, I've, I've always, I, Marvel was my first one, right? And, you know, I crossed over for Flash and for Green Lantern. Those ones grab me for whatever reason, but Superman, Superman, Batman never really grabbed me. Okay, we'll get ready. Strap in for Matt W. 
I realize this question does not reach an acceptable level of duration of consideration. Only 20, 25 minutes. I've been thinking about this. Oh, come on. We respect your honesty. I, I do. I have to ask, what's the deal with Ron and Spielberg? And while M. Night isn't nearly as beloved as Spielberg, why does Josh think he does something stupid in every movie? And who does Connor hate? Let's start at the bottom up. Who do you hate, Connor? I don't really hate any filmmakers. There's filmmakers whose work I don't like, but I don't hate them. Okay, so let's say uh, there's no, there's no, there's not a filmmaker whose name you see as a director. You go, I don't want to see that. No, I'll give it a chance. Like I don't really like Paul Thomas Anderson's movies except for Boogie Nights, but I still give them all a shot. What about uh, like Brett? What's his name? Brett Ratner. Oh, yeah, he has him. that one good movie. I like The Family Man. Okay, so it's one good movie. Right, but I don't hate him. Like my point is, I'll, I'll give it a shot. There's nobody. There could there's be one. Nobody I can't think whose of one. oeuvre has made you go. I don't want to watch any more of that guy's movie. Kevin Smith. Ooh, mm, good call. I don't hate Kevin Smith though. You're really, okay, we're you're not really leaning into the hate person. thing, by the way. Like, yeah, that's, that's true. The point. The point you is, you hate like, Spielberg. I, no, I never said I hate Josh, Spielberg. Josh hates him. That's you literally said that. I have disdain for him. <laughs> no, you said I hate Spielberg. <laughs> Those were your words. Uh, but I mean, the point, like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel one way or the other about M Night Shyamalan, but like. Every movie I've seen of his annoys me. Okay. Worse each time. And I keep I've gone back a couple of times to sort of try. This is your fault, I think. What do you mean? Like 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 why do you keep going back? <laughs> oh, my wife loves them. <laughs> but like at a certain point, like I was like, all right, fine, I'll watch the happening. I was like, this what I would think of it like he the comedic be, value of that movie though. Uh, it was so off yes, the charts. But but that's a tough, you know, that's not a good reason to watch a movie, but like two, like he should be better than this. That's what I keep thinking. Like, I feel a little like I'm being insulted. Yeah, there's no one I feel that way about. I watched old, and like by the end of it, I just like I, I want to give him a shot, but at the end, I just felt like, ugh, you just didn't even try. You don't have it. It's not good. There's plenty of filmmakers to make movies I don't like, but I I either avoid them. But, that, but that's exactly what I'm talking about, though. Like, but I don't get angry about it. I'm I'm not talking about that, but like. Is there a filmmaker who, above all else, you would avoid? You would like, I'm not going to go see that guy's movies. I don't like that guy's movies. And you don't have to bring anything personal in it. You know, it's no, not, it's not I, mean, I, I don't think M. Night Shyamalan's done great work since um, since Signs, but I'm kind of curious about his new movie. The, the one with the with the, the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy. saw that. She said it was better than the other ones. So I'm willing to give it a shot. Like originally, I remember Ryan Johnson did what was that first movie with Brick? I didn't like Brick. I didn't like Brick. Looper. Yeah, you didn't like Looper. You wouldn't I didn't watch like that. Last Jedi. Yeah, but now, but I like the nice that movies. Yeah, I did too. I yeah. like when somebody goes, you know, against the. But there's comic guys that you don't like. Sure, but it's, well, it's, it's not about comic guys. This is a different show. Right, I know, but you're saying like so there's comic guys you don't like. There's authors you don't like or whatever. But there's no filmmakers who you would use their participation in something. Are there actors you don't like? Uh, probably. This is like a guy who refuses to acknowledge Kyle Rayner <laughs> or or the or the last three seasons of The West Wing. Oh yeah. But there's yeah. no filmmakers you won't that you avoid just because you don't well, like them. You know, I like the movies. I could give it a shot. Doesn't mean I'm gonna like it, but I'll give it a shot. You sound like an old person. Well, you know, I like a movie, whatever. It's entertaining. You sound like my father in law. I do. I mean, I like, I like, I find a lot of joy in watching a movie, and so I'll try. Yeah, sure. I'll try it. Well, and that's the thing. And that's the thing. I mean, like, it, 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 getting a lot of made up about my. A lot is getting made of my comments about no, Spiel, no, Spielberg. No, no, we have the no, tapes. You, no, I'm just we'll saying. I'm just saying comments on Spielberg were ridiculous. But <laughs> I still went to see the Fablemans in the theater because I recognized, like, I recognized yeah. that there's that 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 he he does make quality films, and like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't dislike him so much that I'm not going to see his films. And we also had that discussion where we found out that you like many more of his movies than you. Sure, don't. yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I, I think he's smug and a little, you know, full of himself <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Like I, the, I, I said, I said it last in the last time we talked about this. They made a goddamn good movie. If anybody deserves to be smug, <laughs> I don't have to like I it. Just, earned yeah, it. Okay, but we're, so we're talking it. about two different things, though. I'm talking. I think we should be. T I don't care what you think about him or whatever. Yeah, I don't either. Unless that stops you from going to see a movie, and clearly it doesn't. Yeah. So the point is, what is something about somebody's work that turns you off from it? And is there? And Connor doesn't have one. Ron, do you have? Do you have a filmmaker? Let's 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 leave Spielberg out of this because you're all over the fucking map. I'm not 100 percent willing to say I don't have one. I just can't think of one. Okay, there that's fair. One. Yeah, I'm trying to think of film of of um, I don't know. Oh, let me, let me, let me, while you think about it, let me put it this way: 
there's sure, sure there are filmmakers where I go, okay, I'm not really a fan of their work. But if it gets enough buzz, I'm willing to check it out. That's the difference. I think that's the case always. Like I didn't, I didn't like Ryan Johnson, and then I finally saw. I actually liked Looper a lot. I like Looper. Yeah, I'm sure there's others, but there's also really. I think the Brett Ratner's thing was, and there's another. There's others like him, but he's just really. It was really. Yeah, you're talking about big time filmmakers like us, not not right. people who are making like. Yeah. But it was uh, really boring. Direct video like action movies. People who just did right, but like I mean, Brett Ratner, maybe. Oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, like like a lot of people would say, um, uh, Allen? Uh, Scarface, Brian De Palma, Brian De Palma, Brian De Palma. Yeah. like of the guys from that era, he's the one that people think is a hack. Yeah. Or some people don't like Robert Altman movies because right. they're Robert Altman-y. Several years ago, I found out that a guy I went to junior high school with and played baseball with became a, like a C movie direct-to-video action director. Nice. Mm-hmm. Under a different name. That's awesome. And he just pumps out these C-level action movies. Apparently, makes a really great living. So good mm. for him. Well, I got to say, it's, it's pretty fascinating to read in Tarantino's book how many De Palma and how many other, like the, to read about the filmmakers in the 60s and 70s who came out of working for Roger Corman. Oh, yeah. They okay, all did. Right? Okay. Okay. Everyone okay. did. Yeah. Zach Nicholson did. Snyder. Yeah. I think, I think we can all agree on Zack Snyder. <laughs> Mick G. <laughs> Mick G. Yeah, Mick G. does fun movies yeah. sometimes. Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski makes great beautiful, films. great films. He's a, he's a horrible he's, human being and a great yes. filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> well, then you know, then you can get you can get. So okay, I'm gonna say, I'm, it's funny. I'm looking at the worst directors of all time as oh, no. as listed. No, as listed on IMDb, and like. The first one on it is Uwe Boll, which I, I know who he is, but I never, I don't think I've ever seen. And then, like at the top of the number twenty is Quentin Tarantino. I was like, well, that really depends on who's ranking <laughs> yeah. this. So one of these is Cameron Crowe, and I was like, half and half, man. Just because his last two films were bad doesn't mean he's. I mean, no, we went through. Uh, he hasn't done a good movie since two thousand. Right, he's only made like two movies since then. There, there's that's not true. He hasn't made very many at all. I was looking at that too the other day. But, but that's different. A, a filmmaker who made a bad movie is different than the filmmaker you hate. That's a different story. No, I know. I absolutely understand that. But there is a certain point where, like, you're like, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop doing this. Like, I, I don't really. I don't like Michael Bay movies. Like, I don't. Yeah. I was gonna say Michael Bay too, but yeah. Uh, I love The Rock. Yeah, but I feel like that's the last good one. I don't know. I, 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 still, see. I still don't know what happened in Transformers. Well, Armageddon was fun. Armageddon was terrific. Terrific? Yeah, I just watched it the other day. Bad Boys? Bad Boy, the first Bad Boys was good. Pearl Harbor, one of my sister's favorite movies. Pearl Harbor's terrible. I remember being so excited to go see that. <laughs> and it was like, there's like a, there's a nameless something about those movies missing. Because it's just the gloss of everything. You know, like Tony, Tony Scott's spinning camera. And I don't, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just mean there's just something that is not speaking to me because it's trying to show me a different kind of experience than I want to have, I guess. Yeah. He hasn't done much. I mean, he's done a lot of transformers movies since 2007. A lot of transformers movies. Joel Schumacher. He's dead, man. What does that have to do with anything? I'm not going to search him out anymore. He's dead. Right. But I just don't understand that. What does hate mean is the question. I'm not talking about hate anymore. That's the question that's we're trying the, to answer in the email. Yeah, but that's that word is loaded and it means something else. Like we're talking about like things that you have like there's actors that you don't like. There must be. Sure, probably. So I know Rhino is for Ron. Ron fucking hates Michael Chiklis for some reason. But like I'm saying, like somebody's the star of a movie, like I'm not gonna see that. I don't like that guy. I don't like that guy when he does stuff. Probably regardless of of I don't know where I'm trying to get here. I'm not gonna fucking get anything thrown against this brick wall. No, I, I just don't know. Like the goalposts keep changing. Like what? What are you? What is the question? I'm trying to find out if there is a filmmaker whose work you avoid because you just don't like it. Again, I've answered this question like three times. Maybe, but I'll always give anyone a chance. So there's no one 100 percent avoid. I don't think there is for me either. I don't think that's the point. But we can say 90 percent, can't we? <laughs> just say Woody Allen. Just for this, we just say 80 <laughs> percent. No, he fucking loves Woody Allen. I guarantee it. <laughs> I'm a big Woody Allen movie fan. Yes. <laughs> Don't, don't say that out loud. <laughs> Movie fan. I know. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, like, well, Ron joked Kevin Smith. I don't watch any new Kevin Smith movies. 
I don't like movies with Jim Carrey as the lead in. Okay. Interesting. I don't like Jim Carrey. No, I don't like Jim Carrey. I, I don't think. This is dissolved into some sort of therapy. Yeah, this session. really has. No, he's becoming more about Josh than anything. No, it isn't. It's about trying to figure out how you categorize the things that you like and how you decide what it is you're going to see. Connor, maybe you have more time and you can just, I'll see everything. I do. I have more time. But you're not a person who doesn't have critical abilities. I know because I talk to you every week about what works and what doesn't work for things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also just like going to the movies. So if nothing, you know, I like seeing. So you like seeing. If this was the '80s, you would just go to the movies and see whatever's there, and you'd be fine. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's that's what we did in the '80s and the '90s. It's true. Every Friday, go to the movies. But there had to be a lot of misses back then, or we didn't know the difference. Yeah, but also you're out of the house. There's air conditioning and snacks. All right, do we have another question? (laughs) Yes, please. Uh, the final, well, we have more, but we're getting along. The final email is more is uh, interesting, actually, because one of you might be able to talk about this. Matt L. from Dayton, Ohio. When Ron made his case for why you should really finally watch Andor, you being Josh and I, he missed a really vital element that I believe is crucial to convincing you guys. There's a significant portion of the show dedicated to banal imperial bureaucracy. Oh, yeah. If that doesn't entice you, I don't even know who you people are anymore. That's a very, very good point, and I failed to mention that. There is a lot of imperial bureaucracy in that series. It's true. Josh, you started watching it now. I've seen five of them. Five of how many? Twelve? Twelve, yeah. Twelve. Oh, wow. I mean, imperial bureaucracy is not a serious make. I mean, I, I would, I would rather. There's also, there's also, there's a space whorehouse. There's a nagging Jewish mother for some reason. You're hung up on the space whorehouse that appeared for like maybe two minutes in one episode. I know, I'm past it. I was just trying to think of a thing to say while I spoke quickly. Okay. I mean, like I'm five in. It's fine. I like it's it's well done. It's not trying to do something with Star Wars that I don't need it to do. Meaning like it's not trying to explain what happened between here and here as far as I can tell that might end like that. Right. In fact, I can't imagine it doesn't because what would you do it otherwise? You know, I don't think it's the greatest thing ever. I'm not super compelled when I finish an episode like I have to watch the next one. That is not a thing that's happening yet. It's got a really good cast, but I do think it's a thing where sometimes Star Wars fans and genre fans in general will make more of something that it is because it doesn't suck. Which I think is, I think that is actually accurate. Yeah. There's a lot of love for the show or a lot of positive stuff, I think purely driven by the fact that it, that it is quality, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now I would tell you that the first season of the Mandalorian in particular was something better than that it was something else. It was really doing a lot of things, right? Right. It was exemplary. It could be that Andor gets there, but I'm five episodes in. I get it. It's fine. I'm going to finish it. And at the end, maybe I will be blown away. I didn't really like WandaVision until like right at the end. And at the end, it's like, oh, man, that really came together. Yeah. You know, so that's always possible. How's Baby Yoda? I don't know what that means. Baby Yoda's a character in The Mandalorian. I mean, Baby Yoda is so funny because it is such a bald-faced ploy at like getting everyone to love it and to buy toys fucking worked yep <laughs> you know what i mean like i like there's a part of jo- this is me we're talking about who should be like oh come on <laughs> you know like you're just trying to sell fucking toys but i, I was like i fucking love that thing <laughs> you know <laughs> you can't it's like i, I love minions what do you want <laughs> they are cute they are fun <laughs> yeah oh i love minions i'm a huge minions fan i have a baby yoda in my bedroom exactly even you yep little grogu <laughs> all right we're going to cut it off here. We're after, we're over time. We'll get to the other emails in another episode. So thanks for writing. And if you did, to contact at ifanboy.com. Put Mediasplode in the subject line if you want to get your email on this show. Here's some quick plugs. So again, if you want to be a patron to support our various shows we do, patreon.com slash ifanboy. They're the reason why you're listening to this show right now, as well as our Booksplode show and our Talksplode show and any extra shows we do. They help support our whole family of shows, which include, of course, the Anchor Show, the Pick of the Week podcast where Josh and I and sometimes special guests review the week's comic books. Ron, of course, all the hot news at all about Android, all the hot phone news every week, every Tuesday. Is there like hot. a hot stove season for phone news? Uh, yeah, no, usually like around Mobile World Congress, which is right around now. The show in Madrid, a uh, lot so of right a lot now, of activity. Exciting time. Yeah, normally, yeah, yeah. they're definitely they're definitely points throughout the year. Usually like August, September, before you know, like the big you know companies roll out new versions of the phones for the holidays and that sort of thing so yeah they're they're, they're moments of the year that are that are that's great because because you just mentioned something that's like really big in your subculture i've never heard of <laughs> mobile world congress <laughs> mobile world congress <laughs> <laughs> yep 
Congress, huh? They don't call it a conference? Uh, Mobile World Congress. I don't know. That's what it's called. Don't ask me. I didn't make it up. But it's in Spain (laughs) where the jamón is just amazing. And someday I wish I hope to go there. So check that out all about Android every Tuesday. And we'll be back next month. Are we doing our old mineral movies next month? Are we? I didn't get the memo. Are we plugging it? Sure. I guess so now. You just brought it up. I don't know. I think you were the one who pitched the movie. We all agreed to. I did? Yeah. All right. I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, I remember. Roadhouse. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to do Old Men and Old Movies Roadhouse next month. I feel like I don't even need to watch that. I've seen it so many times. <laughs> you should, though. Unless something big happens between now and then, we might push it out a month. But Oh, look at that. Oh, it would lower, Connor giveth and Connor taketh away. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know when the last of us ends. When does it end? <laughs> no. When is the season over? I don't know. We'll figure it out. But it, anyway, in the next two months or so, we'll be doing Old Men and Old Movies, so you can prep for that by watching the original Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. Uh, that'll be our next uh, review film. I'm very excited for that. Cool. Yeah. All right, until then, I'm Connor. I'm Ron. Now make me Josh. I'm sorry. It's understood that Hollywood sells Californication. Hey, I'll start doing very while to break the spell of aging. Celebrity skin is this your gender? Is that why you're waiting? Born unicorn